0: You're listening to the Table Church podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram or Facebook. And now for the message. Good morning. My name is Angie, as you can see, and as you have heard, um So I am not a preacher, Um, however, I do love God and people with all of my heart, and I love to talk, So, um, especially when they give me a microphone uh, that's as cool as this one. Um, So I'm one of those weirdos that just give me a microphone on a stage in front of people, and I'm a happy girl. So um, I am so excited to talk to you today about... Um, the uh, embracing suffering. So, in this series, we've been talking about how to live an unordinary life. Um, that God calls us not to do things that are ordinary, um, but to be unordinary, kind of go against the grain. And so, our verse for this series has been Romans 12:2 Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, be different. So, Um, As we preach here at the table, or as James usually preaches here at the table, we always start with the bad news first. So the bad news about suffering is that it is painful. It does not feel good. Suffering is something that we push against with everything that we are, especially in our culture. And the ways that we do that... um, Well, actually, yes, that is where I am. Um, So we try really hard not to suffer. And, you know, we do this by numbing, right? We use drugs and alcohol. Those are like the things that we say, you know, other people do. Um, But we also use food to numb. We scroll, pornography, toxic relationships. Or even just trying to talk ourselves out of it. You know, I hear so many people say, well, you know, I just, I just should not let that bother me so much. Right? Uh, I just should not suffer. Suffering is not a popular thing. And we really don't like it when other people suffer either. So I'm going to tell you about a time of me suffering. So look at that. Y'all know, right? You see these parents, these new parents on social media, and they just look so happy. And look at that cute baby. Oh my gosh, that is um, our firstborn, Sophie. So uh, I forgot to tell you, I have two kids. Uh, Sophie is nine, and Theo is six and a half. And she was, sheesh, she was not even probably a month old in this picture. And, um, you know, this is what we all see, right? New parents, itty bitty tiny babies, so happy, so cute. But this was actually probably the darkest time in my life, is when I had my first baby. Before this, I was a professional. I was working as a home visiting case manager and group facilitator, and I loved it, and I was good at it. And I wanted to stay home with our baby. I begged Jason for me to stay home, um, my husband, and uh, I wanted this life and then I got it. And it was everything I thought it would be, but it felt so much worse (laughs) than I ever thought it would be. You know, sleeplessness is no joke um and for me you know uh, I was and I think this is still that time although we haven't had babies for a really long time uh at this point it feels like it but you know there was this huge push to like breastfeed and nurse and like all this shame if you didn't you know how you were going to ruin your child and nursing was terrible for me other people would be like it's beautiful and wonderful and I just love it it's my favorite part of the day and I was like not mine And I'm doing it every two hours, round the clock, and it was it was just really hard. I I was um, I was lonely. Um, I was terrified. I was terrified that I was going to ruin this perfect little human that was in my arms, Um, and I was so anxious. Um, And it was just a really hard time for me. Um, It was this time of suffering. And truthfully, you know, we had one more baby after this. And for the record, the second baby was easier because I knew more, you know, life was kind of in this vein. But please, dear Jesus, never again. You know, if, if the Lord has other children for us, may they come potty trained and sleeping through the night and we will accept them with open arms. Um, You know, and as a community, we know suffering well, and this isn't even, like, half of what we've gone through, you know, in the past year, in the past few years. Um, You know, we know suffering well, and even before this, you know, as a mental health professional, so I forgot to tell you that, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I just, I, I was in private practice when I was up here last and now I'm working for the schools as, a, um, as the educational therapist working with our kids who are having the hardest time um, and uh, you know we have the highest ACE scores in the state our county does. ACE stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. You guys our ACE scores here in Butte County are higher than in the Bay Area. You know, we have known suffering in our community for far longer than the campfire and the pandemic. You know, our community knows suffering. You know suffering. So the verse that I wanted to land on today is 1 Peter 2, 21 through 23. When he was insulted, he did not reply with insults. When he suffered, he did not threaten revenge. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. So y'all know how we preach here, head, heart, hands. For the record, uh, uh, Pastor James told all of us who are speaking, you don't have to do it this way. This is how I do it. But truthfully, I really love this, especially as a mental health professional, because it brings in all the different parts of our emotional, you know, our emotional and our thoughts and, our, and the way we do things. And so it makes a lot of sense to me. So what does God want us to know? So what I really felt like what God wanted us to know in this passage is that it's supposed to be uncomfortable. Suffering is supposed to be uncomfortable. It's not supposed to be um, this thing that is easy. It's supposed to be hard. Um, And we see this in Isaiah 53.3, where it says, He was despised and avoided by others, a man who suffered, who knew sickness well, like someone from whom people hid their faces. He was despised, and we didn't think about him. And, um, you know, this, if you read it, you know, it didn't feel good to be Jesus all the time. You know, some of you can actually relate exactly to this. You know, well, we've all been sick, right? Sickness doesn't feel good. We've all, you know, some of us have had people hide their faces from us or despise us or not think about us. And if you haven't had that happen to you, you can surely imagine what it might be like. Jesus' life was no picnic here on this earth, right? He was no stranger to suffering. And so I think that, you know, again, what we need to know is that it doesn't feel good. And also, I think that God created us with this example right in our muscles. So um, I did a little bit of research um, on muscle growth. And this is called muscle hypertrophy. And this is from Medical News Today, although I'm sure you can Google it and find it anywhere. For the record, I am not any kind of... um, trainer or uh, muscle specialist by any means. And I'm going to tell you even more about that. But I can, uh, I, I did know that there, you know, I knew that there was something about muscle size increase and growth that had to do with breaking down. So hypertrophy occurs when muscles sustain damage or injury After they sustain damage and injury, the body then fuses the damaged fibers together, which increases mass or size of the muscle. So you have to break the muscles down. They have to sustain damage in order for them to grow. So I'm gonna tell you a little bit about me. I do not have a high pain tolerance. I really don't. Uh, Both uh, emotionally, I'm a very sensitive person, um, and I always have been, uh, which probably makes me a good therapist, so that's a good thing. Um, But also, uh, physically, I don't do pain. You know, I'm the girl who pops the Tylenol, you know, my friend Emily, she will like live with a headache for 48 hours and be like, don't worry, my body's working it out. It'll go away. And I'm like, oh, I think I feel just a little something. Where's the Advil? Like I, mm -mm, I don't do it. I don't work well in it. I can't get hangry. Um, I don't do pain well. And I especially have never done exercise well. I was... I was always the girl at the end of the line, right? It's like, if I just finish, like, who cares? First place? Oh, man, I'm not even close. Not even close. Like, I'm like, participation ribbon, anybody? Do I get one? Please. Um, because that's it. That's all I'm going to get. Um, and I have never exercised regularly in my adult life until recently. So, I wasn't going to tell y'all this because it's quite bougie. So, bear with me. Um, So recently, Jason, I'm going to blame this on him. Jason uh, was like, you know, it's really hard to exercise in the elements because, you know, we've, for a few years now, I've like done regular walks around our neighborhood, wherever we've lived. I've run a little bit. It was like once a week, average, two or three times when I was really lucky. But, you know, with uh, the constant smoke in the air, and the heat and the darkness and just depend you know the the rain. Jason's like, "You know, we should really get something that we can exercise inside." And so he started researching a Peloton. And I was like, "No. We can't have a Peloton. Pelotons are bougie." My friend Amanda and I joke that, you know, she got a Peloton. I'm going to call her out. She has one too. <laughs> and and we joked that like cuz she didn't tell me I didn't even know she had one, because you don't tell anybody that you have a Peloton because it's so bougie. And so I was like, no, we can't do that. He's like, no, I think it's going to be good. And I'm like, okay, then I'm going to use it. You know, I'm going to do it. And so I got a Peloton. And I, now I know that it takes, I think that the research is 90 days to make a good habit, right? I'm, I'm 60 days in you guys. So pray for me, it, ask me in a month, are you still doing it? But I am, I've been using our Peloton three or four times a week and I'm very proud of myself. And one of the things as I started to think about embracing suffering, my favorite um, instructor is Cody Rigsby. Now, when you go to Google him, Do not let your children be in the room. He's quite inappropriate sometimes with his language. However, he's very entertaining. And he pushes you. And one of the things that he said one time is, it's supposed to suck. Push yourself. It's supposed to suck. It's not supposed to feel good. You have to sustain damage and injury to grow and he may not know it, but what he was saying is God designed your body to suffer. That's the only way you're going to grow. Without suffering, we do not grow. We stay exactly where we are. Our muscles stay where they are. Without suffering, we do not grow. It's supposed to suck. It's supposed to not feel good. Um, So we avoid it right? because it's uncomfortable. But it has to be uncomfortable. Um, And also, without discomfort, we don't need Jesus. So this is one of the things that I learned very early on to go back to that itty bitty tiny baby, is one of my anxieties was that I was going to jack her up. right? I was going to mess this little baby up. And um, uh, my therapist at the time, because y'all We all need therapists, even your therapist. She told me, she said, Angie, if you are perfect, she will never need Jesus. Parents, get this, parents are supposed to inflict suffering on our children. So if you've done that, you're doing it right. Um, You know, without pain, we don't need Jesus. Think about your times in life. When you've needed Jesus the most, when you've relied on him, it's in times of suffering and that's on purpose. And so if we don't suffer, we don't need Jesus. So that leads us, I know, you all know where this is going, right? So what does God want us to feel? He wants you to feel the hard feelings. And you guys are like, sure, you know, as a therapist, that's easy, you know, sure you're going to say that. Um, you know, Jason reminds me that I'm a weirdo and that um, I, I, I feel hard feelings very easily. So I'm going to tell you this is not easy, right? But in Romans 5, through 5 it says, we even take pride in our suffering because we know that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. This hope doesn't put us to shame because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know, we take pride in our, you know, this is a new idea, right? We have to take pride in our suffering. And so, you know, welcoming suffering is a friend because I think that the, you know, and we're going to talk about this more in a minute, but the old idea is that suffering is punishment. When in reality, you can choose suffering in order to grow. So this brings us to the age-old question of... Why do bad things happen to good people, right? Because again, until, you know, maybe until now, or maybe you've known this before, it's like suffering is punishment. And there's a whole other talk about consequences, right? Because sometimes if you make sad choice, as I would tell my children, if you make a sad choice, you get a sad consequence, right? This is how God designed the world. This is justice. However... Bless you. This is a different, (laughs) sorry, I can't help myself. Uh, This is a different conversation, right? Punishment, suffering is not always punishment. So this is my best friend. He doesn't know me. um, But this is my best friend, Richard Rohr. And in preparing for this, I listened to a talk that he had. It was more like a conversation. And it's called The Path to Suffering. If you want, it's on YouTube. And it's just audio. Um, and so you can go listen to it as well. I would actually highly recommend it. Um, he is wonderful. Uh, Richard Rohr is a Franciscan monk. And um, he has a lot of different ideas. It's been quite refreshing to me in my walk. So. Um, One of the things that he talks about is since God loves us, he allows us to suffer. It's not to punish us. You know, sitting in your suffering and feeling the pain is choosing that damage and injury that leads to growth. And one of the things that we use to push that suffering away, and this is part of that numb list, is hardening our hearts, blaming, anger, cynicism. That's your When you start to feel those things, just notice them. Those are natural responses because our brain was designed to not suffer. God designed your brain to survive, and so it's going to do everything it can to push pain away because that's survival. Watch that. Notice it. See if you can see what's going on underneath that anger, that hurt, that pain, that alone, sad, scared, sit in your suffering, let yourself be damaged and injured. So Richard Rohr talks about the, the way that we kind of thought about things in the past. The old idea was that, you know, God is always trying you. Take up your cross, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't, right, but at the same time, it's like, it's as if it was all a punishment, right? God is always trying you, he's always testing you, and if you fail, you will suffer. And instead, he has this new idea that God allows suffering because God chooses to be an all-suffering God instead of an almighty God. God can be almighty. Of course he can. But he chooses to suffer alongside us. He chooses to bring us through suffering instead of always being almighty. And he also says that there has to be loss, absurdity, and tragedy in order for us to gain depth, wisdom, and love. So what does God want us to do? You know, you know what it is, right? If suffering hasn't found you, which for the record it will, it, li- it already has and it will again, but in those moments when it's not and you don't need Jesus as much, go find suffering. So, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10 says, I was given a thorn in my body because the outstanding revelations I've received so that I wouldn't be conceited. It's a messenger from Satan sent to torment me so that I wouldn't be conceited. I I pleaded with the Lord three times for it to leave me alone, take the suffering away. And he said to me, my grace is enough for you because power is made perfect in weakness. So I'll gladly spend my time bragging about my weakness, insults, disasters, harassment, and stressful situations for the sake of Christ. Because when I'm weak, then I am strong. When I choose damage and injury, when I allow myself to be damaged and injured, that's when the fibers come in and fuse it and make it bigger, make the muscles bigger. So we have to allow weakness. and. Now I'm going to start bringing in some of the good news, okay? So, and and come back for the rest of this good news on November 21st because my girl Amanda is going to be talking to you about rest, okay? So you can't suffer forever, right? Choose to suffer. But Psalm 35 says, Weeping may stay all night, but by morning, joy. So, for those of you who were um, in the church in the 2000s, there was a song, and in the bridge it said, Though the sorrow may last for the night, his joy comes in the morning, right? We're not supposed to always suffer. Actually, rest is necessary, it's in the times of rest. That the muscles grow and recover. What I read is that to increase muscle mass, you really only need to damage the muscles two days a week. Right? That's not that much, right? So we're not saying that always suffer. It's but it you have to suffer in order to grow. But also there is joy after. So I'm going to tell you a little story about this time when I pushed into suffering. Um, so. I went to point I was so lucky and fortunate to go to Point Loma Nazarene University. I went for three years and I lived there and that's where I lived. Can you even I would walk down just just on the left side of this amphitheater, this is the Greek amphitheater, and that's the ocean. I would walk down to my dorms, which was just down the hill from this, and I would be like, I, I will never live here again. Like this is it. Like, can you even believe that I call this place home? Um, And it was one of the very best times in my life. And it was one of the very hardest times in my life. Now, I wouldn't say that, right? So, uh, you know, so all suffering is different, right? Newborn baby, hard, not the best time. You know, it created my beautiful children. And so I'll take it, but I'm not doing that again. This was... The best and the hardest. And um, I will tell you, I'm not gonna tell you the full story because I've already told my life group at least twice um, and they're all here. So, um, but if you want, I'll tell you the rest of the story. It actually starts quite hilarious um, and ends terribly. But um, uh, while I was at Point Loma in my senior year, um, I was working at the YMCA as a lifeguard and I pulled a prank on my supervisor, and it was a good one. It was a really good one. Uh, but it involved his computer. Um, and I didn't know. I'd never worked for any corporation. I'm sure I read something about how you're not supposed to be on other people's computers somewhere. Um, but because, and I didn't put a, vi- it wasn't that bad, y'all. I didn't put a virus on there or anything. It, again, it was very minor, very innocent. Um, and it really funny. But um, he he was kind of, frustrated with another lifeguard and he thought that that guy had done it and so he's like yes i'm going to get this guy fired because it's a it was a fireable offense uh to tamper to tamper with somebody's computer so um then he found out it was me and he was like please don't fire her but he'd already told corporate he's like please don't fire her and they were like well you have to suspend her so uh for those of you who know me um, i'm a two on the enneagram which is the helper. The helper uh, type, but um, I wing one, which is the perfectionist type. And oh man, I did not break rules, at least outright. You know, like, yeah, we TP'd in high school as long as we went and cleaned it up. And, you know, like I would break the rules a little bit, but man, I was never, I was that kid who always followed all the rules. And so now I'm suspended from work. And that felt terrible. And so one night, I, I had a panic attack. I didn't know what it was in the moment, but I had a panic attack. And I all my insides were like jumbled, and I thought I had drank too much coffee, which was standard in the day. Um, I just drank too much coffee. So I like went and got some food and ate, and it's still like I I was having this thing going on in my body that I couldn't stop. There was nothing I could do. And so I left my apartment on campus and walked into this amphitheater, but it was dark. There was no pretty sunset and it was foggy. You could hardly see. And I just sat there and I was like, God, what is this? Take this away. And it was the first time that I. I encountered God in not a positive situation. I encountered God, and He said to me, um, you know, quite quite audibly for me. Everybody hears God differently. Um, I feel like I hear Him quite audibly, which makes sense. I'm a talker. Um, but um, you know, He said, "Angie, I am going to. I am. All, you know, I am all knowing. However, I'm going to choose not to know what's wrong with you right now, so that I can sit with you in it, and I'm not going to take it away." But I promise I'll never leave you. I'll always be with you, even though it's hard, even though it sucks. But you have to go through this right now. You have to go through this. And so I did. And I sat there. And, um, you know, the end of the story is I went back to work and it was fine. And you know what? You live even though you get suspended from a job. It's not the end of the world. But this is one of the most formational points in my life especially in my walk with god was that sometimes it's hard but he's never going to leave you you're never going to be alone um i would love for you to listen to this podcast this is called terrible thanks for asking it is by a woman named nora mcinerney um and she uh just the, she has a ted talk you can go look her up um she her testimony um, in a nutshell, is that um, her husband died of brain cancer when their son was two years old. Um, and I believe you know, he had brain cancer, um, and then they had a miscarriage, and then they got pregnant, and had their baby, and then he died when, they were, when he was two. Um, and she had gone on with life, and when people would say, how are you, she'd say, I'm fine, we're making it. And she realized that saying that, even though it wasn't true, because she was actually doing terrible, Because her husband just died of brain cancer and she has this two-year-old baby, right? But that's what we say. I'm fine. I'm okay. We're making it. It's good. And that was actually pushing people away from her. It was pushing people away from her. So instead, she started to say, I'm terrible. Thank you so much for asking. And so this podcast is nothing but terrible. I'm going to remind, I'm just going to warn you right now. Uh, So she interviews people and they tell their stories about grief and loss in all different ways. Um, And it's, you know, she is pushing against this good vibes only movement to say it's okay to suffer. Everybody does. And here, let's sit in it with each other. Let's sit in it with each other. Some stories have happy endings, and some don't. So God allows suffering so that we have the opportunity to grow. You get to choose if you're going to allow yourself to be damaged or injured for growth. And that's so that we will need God. So Hebrews 13.5 says, you should be content with what you have. After all, he said, I will never leave you or abandon you. That's the good news here, is that Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins so that he can be with us in the suffering, so that he he will sit with us while we grow. Also, it brings us closer to others. So this is quite the throwback to college Angie, bless her heart. Yes, those are dragon tattoos, uh, they are not real, unfortunately. How fun would that be? Um, and I couldn't pick one, so I picked these three. Um, you know, college was one of the hardest times in my life, and yet, I made the, some of the best friends ever, and we got so close. And truly, for the first time, I learned to trust uh, other women. I had had a really hard time making friends with girls when I was a kid. And for the first time ever, you know, we had to, I had to lean on them, and it brought us closer together. And here's a picture at present. This is literally like one of the only pictures that I have with my friends, because apparently adults don't matter anymore. And only ki- kids are so cute, and I think that's why. Um, and you know, you don't have anybody to take a good picture. You know, the kids take it from like down there, and that's just a bad angle. And so you don't post that stuff. Um, and so, but you know, we did a lockdown with our best friends. and. Um, It was a hard time, right? Y'all, we have suffered, right? Like it's like that's an understatement, right? There has been suffering in the last year and a half, and we did it together, and our our relationships are stronger than ever. And without that suffering, we would never have that. You know, there is good news to suffering. There is growth, even though it sucks in the moment. So, yeah, I think that's it. Hang on, let me just make sure. Yes. No, it's not it. Don't clap yet. (laughs) I have to repeat it. That's how you do it. Um, So just to sum up what we've talked about today, or if you're in 4-H, you know, this is what I've told you, Um, with your head, I think that what God wants us to know is that suffering is supposed to be uncomfortable. It's supposed to suck. And with our heart, we're supposed to feel the uncomfortable feelings. Allow yourself to be damaged. Allow yourself to be injured for the sake of that growth and strength. It's not a punishment. It's an opportunity. And with our hands, you're supposed to go find suffering when it's not finding you. So our spiritual practice for the week is to suffer. Y'all knew that was coming, right? So um, Pastor James has also taught me that if you use the same letter for everything, it helps everybody remember, right? And so here are some ways that you can choose to suffer this week. You can exercise. So again, push those muscles. It's supposed to suck. It's supposed to hurt in the moment. I didn't put fasting up there because it didn't start with an E. Um, But you could also fast, right? Skip a meal. Allow your body to feel that discomfort of being hungry. You can also empathize with others. You can sit with somebody else in their suffering and allow yourself to feel their pain. Um, You can listen to a Terrible Thanks for Asking podcast. You will feel their pain, I promise. Or you can endure the suffering that you're already going through. For some of you today, you're like Angie. This is I'm doing this right. I don't have to choose it. It chose me, and that is going to happen, right? Circumstances are going to bring that. Endure it. Sit in it. Don't push it away. Don't numb it. Not forever. Just in order to get that damage and injury, so that that growth can happen. All right. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so grateful that you would take even me, uh, a girl who is not a preacher but loves to talk, um, and that you would allow me to share just a little bit about suffering today, Lord. This does not—it doesn't feel good, and it's really hard, and it can feel like we're on the brink of death sometimes, even, Lord. But I just— I am just so grateful that even though you require suffering for growth as humans, that you promise that you'll never leave us. That you choose to be an all-suffering God so that we can have someone with us in our suffering at all times. Lord, I pray for all of us that you would give us the courage to suffer. Give us the courage, Lord. Show us that you're with us so that we can choose damage and injury in order to grow. In Jesus' name, amen.